0: And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright.
2: And I'm Adam Scalina. How you doing today, Corey? Uh, well, I'm good. My eye's not, but I'm good. Gonna, I was going to say, well, first we've got Jeff Kennedy. He's the Director of Investments from Troika Developments. This is an awesome episode. Awesome. I'm super he, excited to he, get into this. He's just a great guy. Yeah. Like a
0: really, you know, you meet those guys and we've had him on the show where you're like, you know, what? I just want to go for a beer with that guy after. Right. Jeff's that guy.
2: Yeah. Right. Like Jeff's that guy.
0: Like Troika's Troika's a great developer out of Kelowna. Great group of people there. We've been very fortunate at our our commercial, at our William Wright commercial office at Kelowna to do work for them both on the leasing and the acquisition side. So they've been phenomenal clients to work for. And, and Jeff just sort of really unpacks everything that's going on, all the excitement, talks about the challenges they're speaking, but then also just tells us how cool Kelowna is.
2: Yeah, exactly. So we cover Kelowna today, kind of a little bit insider baseball, but then also kind of general overview of the market, yeah. where the city's heading. Super exciting conversation. Looking forward to that with Jeff. But... Yeah, on the walk in. So I gotta yeah. say, your—I uh, don't think you've ever used. We've got this soap dispenser, sanitizer. Why well, yeah, It's
0: very potent sanitizer. I can tell you.
2: Yeah. So it's at the front door. I'm not sure who put it there, uh, but you walked in, used it for the first time ever. Yeah.
0: So just just for clarity, I'm not a dirty person. Like I usually—I yeah. wash my hands. This yeah. time, I usually just don't sanitize when I come to your I've, office.
2: I've never known you to be one to sanitize. <laughs> so you push the pump. It sprays you right in the face. The pump is
0: clearly jammed with something (laughs) and it shoots the sanitizer into my eye of all things. Right. I don't think I've ever experienced pain like that before. You guys obviously have insurance and a good lawyer. And we'll talk about that off, you know, when we stop recording here. My eye is still throbbing an hour later.
2: Yeah. So this this just (laughs) reminds me, I, this is a, when I used to live in Calgary more than 20 years ago, we were at, uh, we were at a, I can't remember what the bar's name was, but this is, you know, we're, we're out. It's a friend of mine and myself, and he is putting, squeezing a lime into a drink (laughs) and he squeezes it and it goes over his shoulder into like the largest guy's eyes (laughs) and just sprays them directly. And it was like, and so the guy grabs his shoulder, rips him around. I just remember expecting him to get beat up for shooting lime into some guy's (laughs) eye accidentally. And my friend's response was, what do you think I'm a precision lime shooter? (laughs) Like, I can't, you think think I... You think I meant to do that? Anyways, he he didn't get beat up. We got out of there. But, More importantly,
0: uh, why were you living in Calgary?
2: Yeah, well, this was I had a, a two-year well, transition. You did come from Winnipeg, so I, you know what? I kept going west until I got as far as I could go, basically. <laughs> and yeah, Vancouver was a, a good place to settle. So, anyways, this is a super exciting show for today. Uh, having Jeff on the program talking about the Okanagan, which we always love to talk about. You're gonna go uh, flush your
0: flush your. <laughs> I'm gonna eye. go buy an eye patch <laughs> and. Uh,
2: <laughs> And maybe we should cut to this conversation with Jeff Kennedy.
0: Enjoy, guys. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. ca
2: okay so we're here with jeff kennedy director of investments at troika developments how you doing jeff
1: i'm great guys thanks for having me
2: yeah thanks so much for taking the time today jeff i know you're uh out in kelowna right now is that right
1: uh, Kelowna's home, where I work and live right now. I'm actually uh, at a remote lake in northern BC visiting family. Oh, nice. And uh, it's rainy and cold here. So I'm dreaming of getting back to Kelowna, where <laughs> I understand it's hot and sunny. Great.
2: <laughs> right. Well, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. I, I'm Troika's director of investments. Um, we're a Western Canadian developer. We have about 15 projects underway between Kelowna and Winnipeg approaching 900 units in various stages of development, which is roughly you know, three-quarters of a million square feet, of which you know, the large majority of that is in the central Okanagan. Uh, my, my background, I've been uh, very fortunate to work on properties basically from Newfoundland to Victoria in um, a variety of different, uh, different shops and roles. And now uh, now working in, in Kelowna, my role is primarily acquisitions, financing, um, leasing here at, uh, at Troika. Just out of curiosity,
2: how, how did you get into real estate?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, I get that a lot. I know it's not something, like certainly at my university, I went to school in Queens and Kingston. There wasn't a big push to it. It was most of my uh, fellow classmates were like accounting majors, that type of thing. Uh, but I actually had a good friend of mine and a roommate. His dad was a, an office broker in Calgary. And I grew up in a small town in BC. And, you know, he was a couple of years ahead of me in school and we were talking about, you know, what are you going to do after graduation? Um, and he was going into uh, to office leasing to work for Collier's and was telling me a little bit about it. And being from a small town, um, didn't know that there was realtors who just did commercial real estate. Uh, so thought that was kind of cool. And then from there, I, I pursued uh, pursued brokers right out of school. I worked for Avis and Young um, and then transitioned more into the landlord side in Toronto and then Vancouver now in Kelowna. Um, so a little bit of a a long way to get there, uh, but I think it's an interesting it's an interesting field that I think is you know doesn't get a ton of notoriety out of the uh, you know at, at universities, um, which is something that we're trying to work on at UBCO because we think there's a huge uh, a huge opportunity. Right, right.
2: I'm actually just curious because in thinking about your transition then from broker to director of investments. Uh, at a development company, what does like a day in the life look like right now in terms of um, like, are you analyzing deals? Are you visiting sites? Like, what do you what do you do in your day to day?
1: My team, we probably look at between five and fifteen deals a week. Anything from you know incomings from broker relationships to cold calls from landowners. So we spend probably you know seventy five percent of our time is is new deals, and the other twenty five percent for me is split between. Leasing and then portfolio management, which we have a a primarily development pipeline right now. So it's not a lot of IPP asset management type stuff. It's it's mostly just monitoring ongoing uh, projects and, and their their financing situations. We're uh, you know I think it it's no secret the word is out in Kelowna, so we get in a sense inundated with with calls about new opportunities, people who want to invest with us in Kelowna. Um, people who want a joint venture on their land. Um, it, it seems to be uh, kind of the flavor of the week right now, which is is certainly benefiting us.
0: Now, Jeff, can you maybe just maybe for the listeners here that probably may not understand you know, how a joint venture works between a landowner and a developer and obviously you don't have to divulge your secrets, but can you maybe give us a baseline understanding of what a joint venture is if I'm a landowner and you're a developer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we, um, you know, certainly it's our, one of our preferred models for, for new deals, just because we think we can bring, you know, the development expertise to the table, the financing expertise to the table and partner with a group who owns an asset that perhaps is quite unproductive for them at that point in time, but maybe don't want to sell it for tax reasons, for, you know, financial planning reasons. They want to get a little bit more out of it. But typically our joint venture deals are structured where our partner being the landowner would, would vend in the land to the deal. Um, we would bring the expertise in any new equity needed to to complete the project. So whether that's purpose-built rental, commercial projects, we have a, a long-term care um, operator that we're partnering. We think it's a brilliant way to structure deals that that kind of benefit both sides, I guess. And ultimately it tends to be an easier pathway for acquisitions in terms of getting good pricing for land. Yeah. Although I would say that the procurement period for joint ventures. You know, can be very lengthy as you build a relationship with someone and ultimately move forward with doing something with their property. Uh, that that's a little bit different than me going out and buying, you know, a development site in Mutland, for example. Yeah. But you know, primarily, um, you know, we think they're very, very valuable relationships and and uh, deal types that we want to do more of.
0: And where the landowner benefits from as well, so they're not physically like selling you the land in quotations outright they would be vetting it into a limited partnership of some sort and they would also then also be a beneficiary of the end value of the development, whether it be sold from like a purpose-built multifamily standpoint or like a strata sale.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and I think a lot of cases where it is a landowner that we're partnering with and they are vending in the land, I I think it's typically circumstances where they see value in their property that maybe other people aren't willing to to recognize through an outright sale. So for example, we can partner with somebody early in the process and take their project or their land story through the entitlements process when otherwise they wouldn't have the expertise or means to do that. So it's, a, it's kind of a good way to unlock value, I think, for, for both groups. And then, like I said, for us, it's really an opportunity to work with, we think, some of the you know, best landowners in, in the central Okanagan and other parts of, of Western Canada, where they have great land, well-located land, and really want to realize on that value. And one of
0: the things too that the, the listeners may or may not understand is from a developer standpoint, one of the largest costs that developers have to carry is is their carrying costs because they might acquire land and then maybe 12, 24, 36 months sometimes before, depending on what city you're dealing with to get through the whole entitlement process and rezoning and acquisition. And this also allows you as a developer to sort of save on those costs, which can probably be added, added back into the project, creating greater value for the landowner at some other time.
1: For sure. I mean, it's certainly the most the most straightforward when the land is free and clear. Yep. Uh, when it's encumbered, it's a little bit different. But for the most part, that that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, what people at times take for granted is how you know perhaps complicated or expensive it is to to do design feasibility and take a project from you know greenfield through to shovel ready. There's a lot of cost and time and energy that that go into that so we like to think of ourselves as as bringing that expertise to the table and and uh you know helping our landowners through that process.
2: Jeff, I'm I'm just thinking about the last 24 months and just how much hype has been generated around the Okanagan and and around Kelowna specifically. How's the market doing right now in the Okanagan and have you seen any kind of impact uh from the interest rates or or what's going on right now with just in Vancouver, the market's shifted a bit. What's your sense of of the market, both in both in residential and commercial, at the moment?
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, and maybe I can just start with the land side. We did see a little bit of of pause, probably about four months ago. Kelowna is also going through a new draft zoning bylaw. So as soon as that passed first and second reading, you know, in the beginning of June, it felt like things really heated up again, just in terms of like number of listings that were out there, number of inquiries that we were getting, because all of a sudden people, you know, felt like they were you know, now sitting on on a site with a lot of development potential, so I think that's kind of offset some of the slowing. And then if you layer on, you know, the rising interest rates, um, rising cost of debt for a lot of these properties, where developers or you know speculative purchasers have bought land in the Central Okanagan because they were they saw the news, they saw CNN talking about it being one of the top places to live, among other news outlets. All of a sudden, those properties are a lot more expensive for them to carry. So we're we're seeing a lot more stuff come to market. Um, I think you know our approach is you know I think we're we're perhaps entering like mistake territory if that makes sense. So we're just being really cautious and and really uh, you know I would say somewhat opportunistic with our approach to new deals just because the market seems to be still a little bit zanier than we would like, and with rising interest rates that that makes it tougher. I think on the residential side. You know, any local realtor in Kelowna will tell you that the market has slowed just from a transaction perspective. Um, the days on market has increased. You know, we're finally seeing prices seemingly, you know, tapering a little bit uh, or at least plateauing, which frankly, I think is good just because of how out of whack things felt like they were getting. Yeah. Um, so I think residential, residential is flat. I, I don't know if that I, it's hard to say exactly how much of that is interest rates versus just you know, people's demand was, you know, somewhat pent up coming out of the pandemic, and now we're, you know, perhaps relieving some of that. But the challenge with the Central Okanagan, Kelowna specifically, is we just don't have enough supply. Um, yeah. You know, certainly our team is not as doom and gloom as some of our other colleagues that are talking about what could happen in Canadian real estate. The reality is, in Kelowna, we're extremely land constrained, we're extremely supply constrained, so we we tend to think that that pricing will, you know, perhaps drop slightly, but not materially enough to to have any dramatic impact on our market today. And maybe that's not the case in six months, but that's our that's our assessment today.
0: Well, I learned something new every day. I had no idea there were speculators in the in the Kelowna marketplace. Yeah. The market the market tripled. Oh, who knew?
1: Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just it, it's interesting. You know, I think we uh Troika specifically we spent a great deal of time working primarily on on J V deals. And then looking at, at land acquisition targets kind of when they came up and we really have to, to switch as our strategy, I think, has evolved into to more focusing on purpose built rental and looking at infill sites. And one of the challenges with that strategy is those are the most competitive parcels. So there's stuff that we'll get phone calls and, you know, I'll be like, I'll get my team on it and we'll get back to you before the end of the day. And I'll call at the end of the day and the broker's like, yeah, we got three offers and there's two backups get lost. And it, that, that can be a little bit frustrating. Yeah, And I would say that that's, there's not as much of that, you know, in June, July, 2022, as there was June, July, 2021.
2: So have you moved then to like a more defensive strategy then in the past four months?
1: For sure. Yeah, we're, we're a lot more, I would say deliberate in, in acquisition targets specifically. So there's probably, there's probably two answers to that question, depending if it's a new deal that we're looking at or a current deal that we have under contract. Or that is a site that we already own. So for new deals, you know, we tend to focus on um, really well located properties. I think those are going to be the most resilient, the least affected in any type of downturn. So, you know, there were some fringe type locations that, that we were considering that we had a bit of a thesis on. And I think that that thesis has somewhat changed just with the rising interest rates and, and a little bit of a pause in the market. We still love Kelowna. We love the central, uh, central neighborhoods in Kelowna. We think there's a ton of opportunity in those urban centers. So we're really focusing our energy there. And then on, on deals that we have either under contract, working through DD, or, or projects that we own, you know, we're just we're constantly reassessing. Like we look like to look at these projects with different milestones. And um, just because you bought a site, say in May, doesn't mean you're gonna build it in December. We might look at the cost in December and say, hey, you know, maybe we need to reevaluate or or shift our strategy or look at something different. So I think for the most part, we're just trying to be very Disciplined is the the word that we use. It's written on my whiteboard um, in our approach. And I think, you know, you you've seen other groups. You've seen like Kingston come out and say, you know, we're not we're pausing all development moving forward. And you know, I think that's an example of a group who, you know, certainly is among the most sophisticated. Is also one of the largest for us. I mean, we're we're a shop of 50, 60 people in Kelowna here. Our job is development. We, we need to continue moving forward and we're just going to do that in the smartest way possible. And I think really, you know, when we look at cyclical markets, they're certainly trying to predict cyclical markets, which is easier than it sounds. It's, it's a timing thing. So, you know, some of our sites that we're working through pre-development right now, they're not going to be completed till 2026. So it's hard to, it's hard to press stop at this point. Um, and rather than pressing stop, we're just constantly reevaluating um, as we hit milestones in the process.
2: I think we have so many questions about you know challenges for development companies right now and the future of Kelowna. But before we get there, I was just it, it, you sparked my interest when you said there were some neighborhoods that you're kind of really excited about or that you're, you always are monitoring where there's potential for a lot of upside. Can you talk about some of the neighborhoods you're most excited about in Kelowna?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're we're not a high-rise developer. Um, we're primarily low-rise, mid-rise product. Six-story wood frame would be kind of where we tap out, and that's really our our area of expertise. So downtown for us is not as suitable as say a Rutland, Pandozi Village, Glenmore, Landmark Capri. I think we, you know, in our assessment, we kind of score Kelowna's urban centers as downtown and then the others, they tend to perform somewhat similarly from a rent perspective, somewhat similarly from a a vacancy perspective. The one exception might be Rutland, where I think there's historically been a bit of a a challenge there. We think that there's a huge opportunity in Rutland, the way that they've uh, mapped out the urban center around uh, the Rutland Transit Exchange, the proximity to UBCO, the proximity to downtown, we we think is, is exciting. So we've picked up Approximately two hundred and fifty units of, of development in that urban center, and then uh, you know still continuing to focus on call it like fringe downtown, which is not within the urban center of our downtown district, but but just outside where they are promoting uh, where the city Surrey is promoting mid-rise development right now.
2: Rutland was once described to me as the Surrey of Kelowna. Is that accurate?
1: Um, I think uh, he had. I certainly hope that's that's true. I think Surrey's undergone. tremendous amount of growth and and gentrification that we think would be really complementary to our projects there right so that really is uh, you know our our thesis we have uh, an individual on staff who um, loves to use that exact uh, comparison being from Surrey so yeah I think we're we're excited about the potential there we love the proximity to to the university it is the closest urban center to the university with the exception of Glenmore which you know if you go the back way it's it's somewhat close, but Rutland, we think, has the potential for a lot of growth, a lot of commercial growth. It's very walkable. The transit exchange is a, a meaningful amenity for students, young professionals. And historically, it's in a region where rents have been on the more affordable end of Kelowna, but but we don't necessarily believe that that, that will continue given those uh, those strong attributes.
0: Now, Adam touched on it a little bit there. And obviously, I mean, you guys, along with every other developer, is probably experiencing supply chain issues and all of that stuff. Can you maybe just touch base a little bit maybe on just some of the challenges maybe whether Troika or the development world as a whole is having and then maybe if any of those incidents or any of those situations are maybe more isolated in Kelowna maybe versus down here or vice versa?
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, you're absolutely correct. We're facing all the same challenges, if not more being in a smaller center than, than a lot of groups. We kind of categorize it as, you know, rising costs, rising interest rates and lack of availability of labor. And the lack of availability of labor kind of plays into the rising construction costs. So, you know, when we're looking at at new deals right now, we're using pro forma numbers for hard costs that are are frankly making some people in our office, you know, cringe a little bit. It's a little bit unpredictable or a lot unpredictable right now. So we're trying to be really, really cautious when we're looking at new deals just really trying to assess where we think costs will be in, you know, 2 to 3 years when we start these projects. So I think that's probably our number one challenge is lack of certainty in where the costs are going and then probably not necessarily seeing a pathway to those costs coming down. And then certainly when when we look at interest rates, you know, we're getting you know CMHC quotes for takeouts in the 5 to 6% range, which is dramatically decreasing the loan to cost we can get on development projects. So, uh, wow. you know, despite, despite some of the, the programs that are out there through, you know, whether BC Housing or CMHC, we're looking at, you know, in some cases, 50% more equity to move forward with the same project relative to, you know, even nine months ago. So that can be a, a, a little bit of a challenge for, for a group of our size, just, just because a lot of our, our projects were bringing in LPs, we're using internal money, and uh, now you need more of it. So it, it really changes the composition of the of the deal, the composition of the capital stack. So I think for us that's probably the number one thing that's giving me heartburn right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then the a, a close second is is the availability of labor. Like it's it's no secret we've seen, you know, single family detached homes, you know, go up over sixty percent from pre pandemic pricing. I think we're we're at one point two five million up from somewhere in the mid seven hundreds. And that makes it really hard to attract uh, trade people to work uh, to live and work in Kelowna. It's expensive to bring people in from out of town. So, you know, I think that's even a greater risk for us than what we've seen in supply chain. People use supply chain as like a very broad, broad stroke in terms of how hard it is to build things. But but frankly for us, we're able to plan around a lot of things. We've had bass stubs sitting on site of one of our projects for six months. We can plan around that. We can't plan around our drywall or not having staff or yeah, our you know mechanical company not able to to bring in enough people to complete the job. So that those are risks that we're always monitoring. But the the labor one feels like a, a considerable one on the on the construction side specifically.
0: Now you're obviously looking at deals every single day, and and from our listeners' standpoint, they may or may not understand the different metrics that go into say a purpose built rental site versus something that you're looking to stratify and then sell. Can you maybe just touch base, just maybe really, you know, surface-like information on when you look at a site, what do you have to see in that site or that potential numbers to maybe say, hey, this is purpose-built rental for us, this is why, or these numbers don't make sense on the purpose-built rental, this has to be a strata, and this is why?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, when we're looking at specifically downtown sites that perhaps aren't as suitable for high-rise development, you know, we think there's more potential. You know, relatively speaking for, for condo. And I think those condo projects, we've pressed pause a little bit on that just because we're not, we don't think it's super sensible right now to be baking in a bunch of, of growth on the revenue side into those numbers where maybe historically you could plan for, you know, three, four, mm-hmm. 5% of, of growth annually, um, in a project that you're underwriting in 2021, but not potentially selling until 2023. That, that, that can really help. Right now we're, we're being a little bit more defensive uh, when it comes to for sale product, just because I think we're we're not completely sure where the market goes. There's a lot of inventory planned in Kelowna, specifically high rise product, which we think will be you know certainly more expensive than the mid rise stuff, but perhaps comp- competitive as well. So generally speaking, the the pricing difference is is maybe in the twenty percent range, twenty to twenty five percent. If someone's looking at, you know, we think we can sell this wood frame condo for 850 a foot well our purpose-built rental isn't completing at 850 a foot it's it's significantly less than that so um, there's a difference in specifications when you're building your your condo building is more expensive to build generally speaking but you know we're still trying to be you know really focusing on rental basis first and if it doesn't work as a rental then we'll look at it as a condo but we'll have to be really really sold but i have a, some colleagues at, at altus and i know you had uh at least a couple of Altus people on the show already, who at, at some point I think compared for sale projects as like a cab fare. And uh, with the rising costs, you, you kind of just get in, the fair starts, you lock in all your revenue, and the ticker just keeps running. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that, that makes developers really nervous. And that's one of the reasons why I think we've, we've stepped back from our, our for sale strategy just a little bit, just to see how things uh, you know, shake out in the next little while.
0: Now, can you maybe just touch base to you mentioned there about, you mean, right now, maybe the the pivot might be to maybe look more like infill type sites where there's more higher. it's more competitive. Can you maybe describe for our listeners what an infill site would be or what you would consider an infill site?
1: Yeah, absolutely. In Kelowna, as I mentioned, we just, uh, the 2040 OCP official community plan was adopted in January. Um, and then we had a, a draft zoning bylaw that was out there Probably starting in I think October or November of last year, and now uh, is with the ministry for approval. Hopefully before you know the end of August. Fingers crossed. So really, what that's done is that's unlocked a lot of single-family homes in you know traditionally detached neighborhoods that that can now be converted and assembled, you know, into some type of uh, of low-rise or, or mid-rise product. So for example, Rutland you know the the sites that we've acquired there are three and four lot single family home assemblies anywhere from you know thirty thousand square feet up to an acre um or larger there's there's some other ones that are eight lots that are for sale in town and I think people are people really you know seen a dramatic increase in values as if assembled relative to you know selling it as a single family home despite you know call it record pricing in our market. The reality is if someone may pay you you know, $1.52 million for your single family home, that probably is only worth, you know, or 900000 But because it has so much development potential and because you've done the right thing and talked to your neighbors, that's an outcome that's available to you. So infill for us, our, our strategy is, you know, mostly call it just outside downtown. Rutland as well. There's a little bit in Glenmore, but but not as much. And then Capri landmark there's some stuff as well. But probably the best opportunities for, for infill right now is, just beyond the downtown urban center where there's, call it, three to eight lots assembled and city support or policy support for future redevelopment.
2: I guess, Jeff, in, in thinking about Kelowna right now, like it's clear that in the last, you know, call it 24 months or or at, from the beginning of the pandemic, we've seen a lot of people, you know, the work from home crowd or the people looking for recreation properties, investing in the Kelowna markets. That said, it seems like it. It seems at least some of the guests we've had on the uh, on the show in the past, like John Friesen from Mission Group, have also said that it's kind of almost just uh, this moment for Kelowna is almost just a where it is in its life trajectory that it's it's now it's kind of reached that tipping point and now it's got the momentum of kind of a lot of people's interest both on um, on you know in the province and also throughout the country. What's your take on Kelowna right now? Uh, why are you excited about Kelowna? And uh, where, like, what role do you think Kelowna is going to play in the province in in the coming years?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I, I mean, I'm I'm a huge advocate for the Central Okanagan. I, I live there, families there. You know, the opportunities that we have to be outside, nice weather, um, all the amenities we could ask for, uh, international airport. I would agree that Kelowna maybe is over that tipping point at this stage. I think it it's rightly so, but received a lot of positive. You know notoriety from a variety of different sources, not only just internal people, but but certainly larger players in the market. We've seen, you know, Skyline Reit, for example, has had a, a huge presence in in the Central Okanagan for a while. They're increasing that that footprint. Um, we've seen other larger institutional groups purchase assets in the Okanagan. So, you know, I, I think it's there's just an excellent growth story. Uh, there's an excellent long term. Demand story as well. There's a couple things about Kelowna that that aren't going to change: the proximity to the lake and probably the weather, which which really we think drives drives a lot of demand. It's a great place to live, which certainly the same may not be able to be said for other similar secondary markets. And when you look at the growth and the demographics, like I think we're 14% population growth since uh, 2016. By 2026, that that growth level will will be exceeded. So. We got to find a place for 33,000 people in the Central Okanagan, but before 2026, that's a challenge, that's a risk for us. And I, I would agree with you know some of my other colleagues for sure have suggested that you know Kelowna is turning into call it a small city from a big town. I don't know exactly who quoted that first, but we tend to say that a lot locally, and you know that's that's certainly true. And there's a big opportunity, or continuing opportunity for someone like us to be part of that. So long as we can, you know, as an industry locally, satisfy the demand for, for housing in the area.
0: Well, Jeff, we we appreciate you taking your time to join us today and sort of enlighten us a little bit more about Troika and all the good stuff that's happening up there in the central Okanagan. Before we let you go here, we have our, our six pack of lighthearted questions we ask all of our guests. so We get to know you a little bit more <laughs> outside, of, uh, outside of the office if you got just a few more minutes for us. Absolutely. Okay, first one up. We'll give you an easy one here. Favorite vacation spot when you find the time? Hawaii. Oh, good answer. Oh, yeah. Good answer. Where in Hawaii?
1: Uh, We spent spent two weeks on the Big Island this year, and it was beautiful. We haven't stopped talking about it. So
2: back
1: soon, hopefully.
2: Awesome. (laughs) What are you currently binge watching or a favorite movie recommendation?
1: Just because it was the last thing I saw, I'll say the Top Gun sequel, it was excellent.
2: I've heard
0: that. Yeah, I've heard would, that. Too. Would
1: recommend if you if you guys haven't been, go check it out.
0: I, I don't think I've seen the first Top Gun. Never mind the well, you second gotta one. A, You got
1: to watch. You got to watch the first you one the night the before first. and then go. <laughs> so
0: I I this is this Wait, is Corey. This, this sounds
1: you you grew up in the eighties,
0: <laughs> yeah, seventies. You'd think it at this point. Um, no, I, I haven't seen Top Gun. I haven't watched any of the Star Wars. I've never seen Jaws. Like I I had a very deprived childhood. I don't even have a TV. To be honest with you. <laughs> this is. <laughs> This might be my last time on the show after this. this. is so
2: surprising, <laughs> but answers so many questions. <laughs> no, I've no. been calling you goose for like weeks and, you, and you've been responding. Uh, you didn't even get the joke. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> Next question up. Favorite restaurant or bar?
1: Oh, there's, we're very fortunate in the Okanagan. I will say Home Block at Cedar Creek Winery. Oh, that's a good one.
2: Yeah, I feel like there's so many amazing restaurants in, uh, in Kelowna right now. Colon is awesome for restaurants. Yeah. yeah. We were, we, last time I was up there,
0: we tried this place called Salt and Brick on Bernard, yeah. which is kind of like a tapas wine bar. It was amazing. Just right down yeah, there, right good, next to Earl's. I spent a, a
2: few too many hours at uh, that B&A Brewing. Last time I was... Oh, that's okay. That's okay. No, no, no one's oh. counting hours there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just um, drinks consumed, not hours. <laughs> right,
2: right. Uh, one book that you'd recommend for our listeners?
1: Topical, The Wealthy Renter. I think is a, an interesting read for people in housing and development.
0: Wow. That's good. I don't think we've had that one before. No, we haven't. So you're at the winery. You've had a couple drinks. Someone puts a karaoke mic in front of you. What song are you singing?
1: <laughs> oh, that's a good question. That is an excellent question. Maybe, again, we'll try to keep it topical. Don't stop believing uh, that hopefully <laughs> Kelowna, Kelowna can become the top secondary market in the country
2: that's our first journey song too that's uh, that's, uh <laughs> and last but not least do you have a, a favorite band or or music recommendation
1: uh oh a music recommendation i i think i'm back on the eagles right now
2: okay oh. do
1: did, 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 did you
0: ever get off that, the eagles they're just so i good. think
1: you can once He's, it's on your golf playlist it doesn't find it <laughs> way off.
2: Well, uh, we'll leave it there, Jeff. But how how can people find out more about what you're up to, and of course, uh, Troika Developments?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, Troika. Uh, you can check out Troika. Um, sorry, at TroikaDevelopments.ca. We just have a new uh, a new website that launched about a week ago. Our marketing team did an excellent job, and there's going to be more uh, more information coming on a lot of our our new new projects and active developments. So, um, check us out.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for your time. We appreciate it as always. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time we're up there in Kelowna. Awesome. Thanks, guys. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Jeff Kennedy of Troika Developments. Again, just a really cool guy.
2: Yeah. Really enjoyed having Jeff on the program. Big Eagles fan. (laughs) love that. (laughs) The golf mix. I feel like to golf enough that you would have a golf mix, I guess.
0: Is that? Yeah, no. Do you golf?
2: You Uh, golf a little
0: bit. Well, I don't know if I'd call it golf or not. Every year we do our William Wright retreat. I manage to bring the clubs out, but usually there's a couple of Caesars going around. And then usually by the third or fourth hole, we turn on our golf mix, which is just, you know, nickel back on repeat for the next (laughs) 12 holes. Just clear the course. No one just wants to play with us. I don't know why. Yeah. 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 <laughs> even even the bears would walk away from us right. we're driving towards them.
2: So we have so many great episodes coming up. I just want to make one plug because we actually, in our in our desire to have every mayor on in the country, yeah, <laughs> yeah, on yep. the program, we have um the mayor of Parksville yeah.
0: coming on. Yeah, the mayor of Parksville is joining us. It's you uh, I mean it's 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 funny because we talked about on a recent episode we had when we had John McDonald on it that I ended up going through Parksville. And I, was, I couldn't believe the development that I saw. And I said, granted, it's been a while, but I, I didn't expect to see what I saw. And I know in the investment world, you hear a lot of positive about Nanaimo right now. And then you're starting to, I think, almost see like a halo effect where you're getting things like in News Bay, which is smaller, but then Parksville, where Parksville for a long time had a very you know, older demographic there, more of a retirement right. community. And it feels like that's shifting. So we wanted to get the mayor on. We wanted to hear all about the exciting things that are going on in Parksville. And he was thrilled to join us. And we're very excited to have him in an upcoming episode.
2: I'm super excited for that, Corey. Also, just touching base on the Vancouver market a little bit, what are we seeing in the city of Vancouver for uh, commercial real estate? Well, to be honest with you, we haven't sort of seen
0: the slowdown, I think maybe that a lot of people expected as these interest rates do rise. We've always suffered from lack of inventory and that's sort of really becoming apparent now. Good assets, still selling. Good assets are still selling in multiple offers. We're doing a lot of deals on development land, believe it or not, right now, which is usually a tougher one to, to finance with higher interest rates. But, you know, very optimistic. What you hear on the news maybe isn't what we're seeing on the forefront of commercial real estates. Don't kid yourself. Interest rates will have an impact on real estate, period. But as of right now, that hasn't really filtered through the commercial side of it just yet.
2: All right. Well, and how can people find out more about getting in touch with you and getting in touch with William Wright? People can reach us at our Vancouver office anytime at
0: 604-428-5255. Let us know what you're looking for. We'll put you in touch with the broker we think is the best one for you within the province. You can visit our website, williamwright.ca, or you're always welcome to to send me an email, Corey at williamwright.ca. I'm always happy to talk real estate anytime.
2: All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And we're back next week with another great episode. Thanks, guys. Take care.
1: Subscribe today.